The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich men Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts it's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, y'all. Hey, what's up? And welcome to Let's Red Table That. I'm Tracy T. Rowe. And I'm Cara Presley. How are you feeling today, Tracy? Every day amazing. And oh, my goodness, for this episode, that's what I'm feeling like. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty successful. As you can see, my voice is kind of gone, but that's all right. We are You know here. what? You can be successful and a little raspy at the same time. It's all right with me. And yes, you can. And you know what? You can be a fantastic mother and have postpartum depression at the same time, too. Hello, this episode. Yeah. Listen, this episode was heavy, but yes, heavy was. but necessary. Today's episode, we're going to talk about postpartum comorbidity, meaning that, that after giving birth, mothers can suffer from different types of mental illness at the same time. So more than one. Comorbidity right. means more than one. So having postpartum depression and anxiety simultaneously would be an example mm-hmm. of having a comorbidity. So mm. I just want to say that because... We use the word. Mm -hmm. We try to educate ourselves here at Let's Red Table That. And we want to help the listeners also be educated. Right, Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. We want to help people change the language as well as their perspective or just be reintroduced to a perspective you hadn't truly considered. One of the things, like listening to Hayden in this episode, Mm. she shared that having gone through so many emotions in that way led her to just do something easy, right? Kind of relying on that substance of alcohol when she got home because she just didn't have the energy to do anything else. And I think there are so many people who relate to that, especially women. We get home and we have a glass of wine and we just say we're relaxing. Right. But I need some people to know that that one glass can turn into some other things for some other people. 
Well, if you're already suffering with some other comorbidities, come on, let's use this word now. If you have some comorbidities, you know that self-diagnosing, self-medicating oftentimes go hand in hand. I thought Hayden was brave. I just want you to know that. Mm. Cara, bravery is so underrated because people don't understand. You're not just going to show up at somebody's house, first of all, sit at their table, and then be Mm -hmm. recorded sharing your most intimate, like, most painful, vulnerable, I don't know what other word to use. The lowest of the low, lowest point. She even said that she was, what, like in the fetal position when she finally, even herself, acknowledged it. Not everyone wants to relive that. We've all had our lowest point, but not many people come back to relive it again. So again, thank you, Hayden. Thank you. And to Jada and Gammy, thank you for being so willing to talk about this. And then can we talk about Kelly Osbourne and her baby Love her. Best wishes to you. I was so excited to see her. Willow, we know you're on tour. Rock it out, Willow. (laughs) Right, but we love to see the guests come to the table. Again, it just shows how universal the show is. Mm -hmm. This transcends across just the Smith family, so I love that, that we can continue to share. Now it's time to share what our online Red Table Talk community has to say about this episode. Iverly Brooks says, I feel so sad for her. That little girl needs her mom in her life. I appreciate that Jada and Gam gave her a safe, open, and compassionate space to tell her story. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm, that's so important. Tracy Turner, great first name there, Tracy, <laughs> said, what if instead of assuming the worst, we gave each other the grace and assume we're all doing our best every day? Mm, that's important. Absolutely. That is that important. important. Another comment says, so glad that she spoke out about this. So many people go through this and it's so good to know that you are not alone. So thank you for your bravery, Hayden. Thank you so much, Dana Norman, for that comment. Yes. And Rosalind Nixon said, I got some therapy just watching this episode. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Prayers for Hayden's complete healing and a heart emoji. Rosalind, thank you for that. That's absolutely one of the reasons why we do what we do, because we know it's healing. Every day. We are healing every day. And last but not least, Kristen (laughs) Bello says, I love the feeling wheel. It's hanging in my office. I work in mental health. Right. We all need a feeling wheel. It really changes how you communicate and understand your emotions. Yes. Everybody get a feeling wheel or say some affirmations. Yes. Look it up. Oh, come on now. You speaking my language, (laughs) Kyra. Yes. (laughs) You know what? I'm so grateful. Kyra, we have already received communications from listeners in our Let's Red Table That community. Are they emailing us? They are emailing us at our email address. What is our email address, Cara? It's... Let's Red Table That at redtabletalk.com. Yes. And Shannon Cox and Katie Yates, we are so grateful to you and wanted to acknowledge that we have received your email messages in response to our parental alienation episode. We are grateful to you for taking time to communicate with us and we are sending you lots of light and love and hope that you will be reunited with your own children soon. Yes, thank you so much. We have to heal together. So sharing your stories and allowing us to communicate with you just helps us all to share and learn and heal together. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll be joined by one incredible guest. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes 
I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is she breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep 
and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're bringing a fellow RTC community member to our virtual red table. Yay! (laughs) We're excited about having Jade here. So let me just get right into this. Jade Kearney is joining Let's Red Table That from New York City, where she runs She Matters, a digital health platform designed to support Black mothers who experience postpartum comorbidities such as postpartum depression. Jade co-founded She Matters after enduring months of postpartum OCD, also known as obsessive-compulsive disorder, after the birth of her first daughter. Jade is here to shed some light on postpartum experiences many mothers navigate, often without the proper resources or knowledge. And hopefully, we can help bring some education and eliminate some stigmas today. Yes, indeed. Facts. Jade, thank you for coming to the virtual red table. We are so happy you're here. We need to get rid of some of these stigmas ASAP. Right. No, I totally agree. Thank you so much for having me and for caring about what's going on out here for everyone and especially for Black mothers because what we experience in the postpartum world is different from what others experience. So I'm appreciative of being here. Well, let's get into it. This is the part of the show where we reveal which moments made us pause, rewind, and listen again. I mean, made us all just say, wait, what? What happened right there? What? Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. Let's kick it off. When Hayden revealed that she was acting out her real-life traumas on the TV show Nashville. When I was on Nashville, they really wrote my life into it. So on the show, one of the storylines was that I was playing an alcoholic. Another storyline was that I was pregnant on the show, and then I got postpartum depression. And then, you wow. know, they... So you had to relive everything. Had to, Yeah, I had to go to work every day and be acting out what I was truly going through. Can you imagine reenacting that, just the traumas, not even like a good part of your life, right? But the traumas of your life on TV as entertainment for thousands of people. Can you guys imagine that? I can't imagine I it. Can't. it. It would be different if she was reenacting, winning the lottery over and over again. Right. I couldn't imagine that because I don't want to live the nightmare of postpartum OCD again in the same right. way that I did the mm. first time. Mm. So that mm-hmm. has to be right. a terrible, terrible to endure. Yeah. And something as so enduring as birth and the labor and the mm-hmm. like literally the entire thing she was going through. And then already from mothers, right? Like when you're going through postpartum or just just being a mom in general, every day is kind of like Groundhog Day. Mm. So Jade, I'm sure if you had OCD, every time somebody Ooh. moved something or whatever your thing was that you were doing, you probably saw it over and over and it probably bothered you just as much over and over. So at least you didn't have to relive it at work. It definitely did. Like that Groundhog Day, that phrase, like that, that's what it was like every single day. I was being tormented by my own thoughts. Mm. And that's crazy because we're our worst enemy and our biggest healer, right? So mm-hmm. to know that the answer is within yourself, but you can't pull it out because you're experiencing this groundhog thing, it really shows you the diversity of your mind, right? Like, 
You right. can really give yourself medicine or you can give yourself poison. And in that OCD space, right. I was giving myself poison every day. I was worried when I went to sleep about what the next day was going to be like. So I can imagine right. having to go to mm. work and thinking about there's no escape for me. There's no escape in my personal or professional mm. life. Right. That's really, really right. difficult because I had a bit of an escape at the time mm-hmm. I was a teacher. So I could mm. go and kind of get out of the space. But as soon as I was done, I was worried about that same Back thing. Back to the same. Wow. I know that like my steps were like divinely favored. But at the time, I right. was in hell. So I just have empathy for her and going somewhere and not wanting to be there and going home and not wanting to be there either. But it's literally sometimes it's moment to moment, day to day, just trying to get through. You were to in the your next own thing. living hell to some degree. Living hell. Yeah. I, Jade, you for you saying living hell, it made me think of back to the one of the other wait what moments in the episode that was mm-hmm. a living hell for Hayden. Her sharing that she didn't know that her ex was planning to keep her daughter in Ukraine permanently. How old was your daughter when you made that decision? For her to go and live with her, 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 dad, her dad, her dad, she was almost three. And it wasn't fully my decision. Oh, wow. In fact, I didn't even know it was happening until Whoa. Oh. she was already over Wow. there. Oh. She was thinking that this was just temporary for her to get herself together, get in a better place emotionally and physically and be, you know, away from the substance abuse. And her husband or her ex-husband pulled the okie doke. Yeah. That was a wait what for me, for real. I don't know about y'all, but when this drama showed up in tabloids a while back, I didn't know what to make of it. So I'm glad that Hayden was able to clear some things up for us. Do y'all remember this when this happened? Because we're talking not like about the show. Okay, Mm -hmm. Jay, tell me from your experience, what were you thinking when this happened? To me, that just shows you how the laws are set up in the States. Like, he wouldn't have been Mm -hmm. able to do that here. So I feel like it was premeditated. Mm. And the thing about co-parenting life is if you don't have a good relationship, you have a terrible one. (laughs) I feel like sometimes there's no no middle lane. And so I just have empathy for her in terms of, like, you're sharing all of your fears, the rawness, the realness of what postpartum is like and what you're experiencing with somebody, and then they take your baby? Right. See, how do you think that's okay? Being a mother is so important. When you become a mother, it's like you're always trying to figure out how to make sure this human is going to be a better human than you are, right? Like, how can I give your life something that I didn't have or improve your life just a little bit? And so I could see even in her progressing and getting healthy and finding her wellness equation, whatever that was for her, rehab, whatever, right? To have somebody take out the thing that's really encouraging you to get better, right? What that must have felt like. She was stripped. My mom had her own issues with substance abuse. And I know that like, Really getting to the point where I'm doing this for my kids and then somebody taking your kids like you're not a good mom. Right. What effect does that have on a person, right? Right. No, and like you said, like you're already trying to be a great mom and then you don't have any control on top of it when that person plays that chess move on top of everything you're already dealing with mentally. It's it's difficult. This It kind of transitions directly into our last <laughs> wait what moment. And I love that you said earlier your wellness equation, right? Because uh-huh. what does that look like? Sometimes we don't even know we need help, right? And you would hope that you can go 
to your doctor. So learning that none of Hayden's doctors brought up the possibility of what she was experiencing was possibly postpartum depression seems like such a huge disconnect. Did your physician talk to you about what postpartum depression was? No, not at all. Mm. Not at all. And I wish, like, they had given me a whatever, any, even just one pamphlet on it or told me what the signs were. I know that, Jade, you specifically help black women, but we're talking about a white woman. You know, we're talking about someone who also should have some additional something at her hand, right? But it just shows how disparaged women in general are. Did you experience that as well, Jade? So I don't don't say this a lot of times. It may be in print somewhere. I went to the emergency room 21 times in my daughter's first year of life. And they kept sending for, me for back. like assuming something was wrong with her. Is that yeah? I knew, you were... I knew no, something was wrong with me. I knew something. Oh, okay, I can okay, tell you. Okay, I was going to the emergency room, and I'm like, I know something the hell is wrong with me. Uh, y'all not okay. gonna send me back right. home with no answers again because something was wrong. And I remember one nurse actually said to me, "Do you think you're having postpartum anxiety?" And I said, mm. "If I am, I would know it." Nobody's helping me. Right. Nobody's doing anything. And it was to the point where I was watching my toes twitch. I've never oh, wow. said this anywhere. I promise you. I kept saying my toes are twitching because in my mind, I was becoming sick. Like my oh, toes wow. were twitching because I thought, oh my God, like I'm having some type of nervous system problem. Mm-hmm. I really had a, a depletion in electrolytes, but in my mind, mm-hmm. I was dying. Right. Uh-huh. And right, right. nobody, nobody said anything. <laughs> Something's wrong. I, I right. think they were like, you're fine. It's, it's been a few hours. Here's some volume. So let's talk about that. Mm. Here's what? some volume. I'm breastfeeding. Don't breastfeed your baby for two days. Here's some volume. You'll be okay. Nobody said, here's a referral to a therapist. Here's a referral to a psychologist right. or a psychiatrist. Jade, I wow. have to ask you. 21 mm-hmm. times in the first year of your daughter's life, and you yes, mentioned ma'am. that there was one nurse who said, do you think it's possible that you could have postpartum anxiety? Where mm-hmm. in the 21 visit cycle did that mm-hmm. statement occur? This was probably mm-hmm. like visit like 17 mm-hmm. to a different emergency room. I'll, I'll never forget it because I'm like, my toes are twitching. And she looked at me like, girl, what? And I was like, no, something's going <laughs> on. And I was crying. And I was like, I don't know, because I don't know what that looks like. I don't know any of this. I'm just trying to get back to this oh, baby, wow. and I'm thinking, I'm going to die. That's all I was thinking. Right. Just thinking of the fact that she mentioned it, and you said, I don't know, that would have been a perfect opportunity for that same person that was a healthcare professional to have said, okay, let's put this in your triage, right, so that we can explore this more, and that would have been much more helpful for you than them trying to tell you that there was nothing wrong with you. That part. It's frustrating. That would have been so much more helpful. That's why we, as she matters, like, we really press being culturally competent. I'm calling on everybody in the moment. Like, right. she couldn't see right. my struggle because she couldn't see me. She wasn't Black. Mm-hmm. She wasn't understanding what I was going through. She just saw me as a woman struggling which was helpful, uh-huh. but there was no follow-up. How do you help the strong ones? You know, Black yeah. women, there's a stigma. You hate to say there's a negative stigma that sounds positive, right? She's so <laughs> strong. I'm so tired of that. I agree with you wholeheartedly because mm-hmm. in our society now, from my perspective, 
being a strong Black woman is a mantelpiece. Mm-hmm. We were just told we have to be strong because we're Black women. Conversely, our counterparts, they are not Mm-mm. taught that. They literally are raised, in many cases, I won't use all this language, to be submissive, to be passive, mm-hmm. to be the damsel in distress. And it's okay. That's why we have so mm-hmm. many people now that are the quote-unquote Karens, don't get me on a whole nother episode, that right. can do crazy off-the-wall stuff and then cry. Yeah. Right. Because they're taken care of. And there's a sense of protection even when right. they can and do cry, experience They're issue. covered. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. covered. Meanwhile, here Jade is at the hospital literally going through Hello. a crisis and isn't being helped. Right. But that's because... People are comfortable with Black women suffering. That part. It's 100%. It's commonplace. People are comfortable with our pain. People are comfortable with our devaluation. Mm -hmm. People are comfortable with it all. So why help me? You look like what I think a Black woman should be experiencing. Right. Right? And that's what I experienced. Why should you feel at ease? Isn't this what you guys go through kind of thing? It is. I didn't realize that. I never said that until after I had my daughter. This is what it's like for me. I don't want it to be like that for her. But Mm -hmm. when I was suffering with my Black child as a Black woman, no one's alarms went off. Uh, uh, uh. But the, the worst part about it is our alarms don't even go off because we're comfortable with our own suffering. That's the worst piece. Or or we just don't know if we deserve healing. We're, you know. Conditioned. Yeah. 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 Thank you for platforms like this and Red Table Talk to really bring the awareness. And I think it's so powerful. Like even with Red Table Talk, it has to start with a small conversation that grows into a bigger one. You realize... In a lot of these episodes, Willow, Jada, and Gam, and generally the guest hosts, whoever they have on, they're all going through the same thing. So many. And it's until it's discussed, we don't even know. Postpartum is normal and should be normalized Mm -hmm. as a series of things that the woman needs help with. And I think previously when I thought about postpartum until I had my own son and went through my own drama, I only thought about it as, or I only saw it in, in life as the woman being like jealous of the baby or not having attention. Does that make sense? That's the only time it was kind of referenced. And it's all oh, she wants some attention. Everybody coming to see the baby. And the reality is that is that is the thing that that definitely adds to it as far as the concern being only with the baby's health, only with what the baby needs next. And the mother as well being overwhelmed. We're not educated about stuff like this. So it makes mm-hmm. sense. And I thought postpartum depression just meant you've had the baby and you're tired and you don't want to have anything to do with anybody. That part. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the an baby, exhaustion. Nothing. Yeah. I'm glad that we are defining this. Together <laughs> and acknowledging what we all thought it was until yeah. we realized what it truly is. So I feel like there are other women going through this same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I always say in every struggle, there's a healing story for somebody else. So we have to have the conversation so that other people say, hey, I don't have to be shamed for this. Somebody else experienced right. this. Okay, this is similar to what I'm going through. Maybe I should reach out to my healthcare provider because this is not normal. <laughs> Suffering is not normal. Right. Say that it part. again, Jade. <laughs> Suffering, Suffering right is there. not normal. <laughs> not at all. Oh, that is the perfect statement. Woo! 
Jade, you are regularly hearing stories from women about the challenges they face throughout their journey to motherhood or in motherhood. Was Hayden's story similar to what you've come across in your work? There's so much you can pull from her story that a lot of people mm-hmm. have experienced. So yeah, especially about the parental alienation and reaching for substance to heal what you're going through, and especially the late diagnosis. I've heard all of those things, so yes. If you've never experienced it before, you don't know what you're experiencing when you're experiencing it. That's what we learned from the women in our community. My aunt is 55 years old and sat in on one of our events. She started crying and she said, I always thought it was like the devil trying to talk to me. Wow. Talking about OCD and those thoughts around OCD. Mm. She has five kids. Oh, What's that? No one ever spoke to her about that. Was that the first time she had ever verbalized that? Yes. Yes. I never knew what to call it. And so many women will say, what if I harm my baby? This is part of OCD. It's terrible thoughts. Some people see themselves harming their baby. And it's like the shame you go through. So imagine you have to get up and go to work as a single mother every day. You're having these thoughts about one of your kids, but Mm -hmm. you got to get up and you got to go to work. So where's the healing? There's no healing in that. There is no healing. Like the only thing I can even akin this to, right, is I remember when I got my period, right? Like when I was 12 or whatever age it was, I had this one thought of like every woman in the world goes through this. And that's something more physical, right? Like you have your cycle and then you have the tools you need for your cycle. Everyone has to do this thing once a month or whatever. But that's the only time I kind of stopped and just was like, wow, this happens to every woman. And you kind of look around. She could be going through this at any time. Like no one, but no one talks about it. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. We know what's happening. We see the commercials. We see the commercials, commercials, but but you don't see yourself. You definitely don't see yourself. And everyone's is different monthly. Like it's the same kind of scenario where we're still not talking about it. But until someone says it out loud, that's when you start to see the different products and things on the shelf. Does, do you understand what I'm saying? So just I as much as that's understand. normalized, I hope services like yours, Jade, yeah. are normalized more and stories are told more because we just don't know what we don't know. Right. We don't know what we don't know. That's the best way to look at it. There were things that I saw as I was going through my own postpartum experience I didn't see us. So there, white women would share their stories amongst each other on the internet, like in chat rooms or whatever. And I would not share because I don't know y'all. You know how we do. Hold up. I'm not about to sit here and give my personal thoughts so somebody could come in, DCS or whoever they are, and take my baby. Uh-uh. I'm going to read. That's how I found out it was OCD. But mm. I never shared my story because I didn't see anybody that looked like me. And that's what made me say, oh, I have to do something about this. What's interesting to me about that too is that that's still true. That's so prevalent for marketing and advertising now, right? And we can even talk about some of the things that we see that little girls of color now have the opportunity to look at, even with The Little Mermaid. Thank you, Little Mermaid. That that representation matters so much that they can look at themselves and see, she looks like me. And it is... Absolutely necessary. I cannot wait to learn more about She Matters and how you've been able to help support Black mothers through your organization. But I think to really understand that work, we need to understand what your experience was like becoming a mom. So, Jay, tell us about the months after you had your daughter and what postpartum OCD looked like for you. It's interesting because I had my daughter 
And I was so planned. Like I knew all the statistics around Black maternal morbidity. And I changed doctors at 27 weeks because I didn't like the first doctor that I was working with. She made me feel like a statistic. And she was Black. Ooh, I said, just because you're Black, that don't mean you're culturally competent. Ooh, I said, that's not going to work. So I went to Dr. Garfinkel and I said, hey, I don't want to die when I have my kid. And I know that the chances of me having preeclampsia are high, but I don't want to be treated like that. And he said, I got you. And he really did. Mm-hmm. He really did mm-hmm. have me. He's such a great doctor. So I only worried about the during delivery. I was so scared I was going to die because we hear all of these things. And like the anxiety and depression for Black women happens the moment you learn that you're going to have a baby. Because you're like, oh my God, I don't want to die on the table. I heard all these statistics. But what nobody talks about is the postpartum period. I had no idea what was going to happen postpartum. I made it through the delivery and I thought, ooh, this is over. No, my postpartum started Mm. three months into being a mom. And I think what really shook me was, as I mentioned earlier, my mom had her own journey with substance abuse. And so there were parts of me before mommyhood that felt like an abandoned child. So I had these thoughts Mm -hmm. of like, what if I abandon my child? What if I leave her? What if I forget about her? And that manifested into its own OCD, right? It was like, I knew something was wrong when I wouldn't walk past the kitchen. I was scared to walk past the kitchen because I thought I would stab my daughter. And I had to walk past my kitchen to get in my house. So leaving the house or coming home was like, oh my God, what if I see a knife? What if I stab her? And I never wanted to. That's the thing. It was like something tormenting me. And now I realize I have a great therapist. And now I realize that that was my brain playing with me because she was the thing I wanted to protect the most. So what if you couldn't protect her? I didn't even give her her first bath. I was so afraid that what if I let her go and she drowns? Like Mm. there was this like, I can't protect her thing happening with me. And I didn't have the words I needed to communicate what I was experiencing. My first call was to my mom, and I'm the oldest of eight. And my mom is a mama. Mm, Dawn right. is, a different, is a different type of mama. And so I said, Mom, I'm, I'm going through something. I think it's postpartum depression. Like I said, I didn't have the language. Right. And she said, look, when your brother was born, he was number four. I think I had something like that. I couldn't even look at him. I didn't even really look at him until he was mm. six months. But I had to do what I have to do. had to do, and you have to do what you have to do. You need to go back to work because you need your health insurance. And at that moment, I was like, I'm a failure. Wow. I'm failing oh. cultural norms of suffering in silence. I should shut up about this. I shouldn't oh, be complaining. Jay. Wow. And then yeah. I reached out to the doctor's office, and I think my doctor said something like, Plenty of women go through this. I'm just going to send you Zoloft. You can pick it up. I'll check in with you in six weeks. Uh, and it was like, hold on, I'm black. We don't, we don't, uh, antidepressants, I need to be talking to that. You can't mm. just give it to me. And I remember I got it and my aunt threw it away. You don't Wait, need this. You don't need really? nothing controlling your mind. Yes. Oh, wow. You'll Some be just fine. We all went through it. Help. And it was like, You are going to suffer. This is your life. Here I am trying to figure out, do I go to a psychiatrist? Do I go to a therapist? What do I do? And I just had to try so much to get a little bit of relief from someone who said, you're not a terrible person. It was like I needed to know that I wasn't a monster. And you had no internal resources. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right, right. Your mom and your aunt were from a generation where they suffered in silence. We go back to the shame. And so you didn't have that support as your internal familial support. And then externally, they were just popping pills at you. And so you just right. said, what do I do with this? And then you got them and still couldn't take them because you had intervention with that. Right. Wow. I don't That's like a that. Lot yeah. to unpack. <laughs> but that is it's a, a lot. I don't know what era everybody's from, but I was born in 84. And so, like, my mom was from the era of the crack era. And it was like, well, I don't want anything controlling my mind. I don't want anything controlling me. I don't want it to be like I'm on drugs. And that's Mm. not what antidepressants are. In Black culture, we stigmatize any medicine for mental health. Yes. Do you know the person that made that SSRI, which is an antidepressant, made your blood pressure medication? Mm -hmm. So why are you shaming me? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. If you want to share, what were the specific intrusive thoughts you had and how did they manifest day to day? It usually would start around sleep time. Like when I was going to bed, I would have the thought of, and I think a lot of moms have this, what if she stopped breathing at night? So I wasn't sleeping. Mm. Not sleeping doesn't help anxiety. I would have thoughts like, what if I let go of the stroller when I'm walking her down the street? I know uh, (laughs) my ex-fiance, he must have thought I was insane because... I was like, I can't be too close to the sidewalk. I can't stand next to the window. I thought, what if I throw her out the window? I don't even know if I've ever shared this publicly. One thought that I had, what if I smother my baby with the pillow? And it was really because I was afraid of the pillow smothering her. I never wanted to do that, but that was the thought. What if you do that? So there was just so much shame around, you mm, have this right. blessing and your thoughts, you're a monster. You should be ashamed. Mm. And every day, when I'm telling you I would cry at work, I would cry in the bathroom, like, why am I going through this? What did I do? It really felt like a punishment. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, mm-hmm. to any, any woman experiencing this, I, I please know that you are not a monster. Please know that it has to do with hormones. That's important. It has to do with hormones. It has to do with a lot of things going on inside your body. And a lot of women have these thoughts. One teacher told me she had this thought. Her daughter was screaming, and she said, what if I just threw her across the room? And I remember looking at her like, how are you just telling me that? But she had already made peace with what she experienced. She was out of the postpartum period. And she said, I had that thought over and over again, but I had to just get over it. And that's that whole thing with, I'm suffering, I'm not going to say anything. I had to just get over it. Yeah. When you don't need to get over it, you need to work through it. And, yes. and sometimes in, a, in an assisted way. Yeah. I had my own anxiety prior to being a mom. So if you have anxiety or depression prior to being pregnant, you have a higher chance of having postpartum anxiety or depression. So there were things that hadn't worked out before okay. that all manifested mm. because birth, as beautiful as it is, it's also traumatic. And even what you're saying, birth, as beautiful as it is, is it? Because mine was not. Like I, That's <laughs> only because I'm a whole hopeless romantic. And I thought me and my son's father would be together forever and this would be this love story. And it was not. I, I had a whole, I had to fall in love with my son. And I, I I probably have not said this publicly. There's people who know, but I had to fall in love with my son and went through postpartum and didn't have time to acknowledge that's what I was going through because I had to raise this son and not be a statistic. Now you look up and it might be social media and and I just still pray for these moms, but you see all the gender reveals and the pregnancy photo, maternity photos. I didn't do all that. I didn't have time to do all that. I was in the middle of shame and I can't believe she didn't got pregnant at 20. And so 
I had my own piece of it, too. When you say you had to fall in love with your son, what do you mean? Fall in love with him. You know, some people are just madly in love with their child while they are pregnant. And I just, I was not. I was in a relationship that was just not going the way I wanted it to. And again, I was cloaked in shame of we can't believe our daughter's pregnant young. I just had to work. It was more of a task initially of I got to raise my son now instead of enjoying what motherhood was for me and doing it with help. When you do it alone, that's also a part of it. Yeah, it wasn't the traditional for me. But once I got into it, then you start to love the process and and you enjoy what's happening. But it was not out like that initially out the gate. So many of our moms come to us, single parenthood. I am a single mother right now. We have a good co-parenting relationship, but my kids live with me. But Mm -hmm. so many of our mothers in our community go through postpartum alone. I didn't have to, right? My kid's father was there, but I know so many that experience it alone. And that's a whole part of our community. Whenever we have any events around single motherhood and postpartum, we sell Mm. out because that's Mm -hmm. a different type of loneliness, right? You seeing the baby that looks like somebody that you love and y'all are not together. Right. And that's that's difficult. So I just want to say kudos to you for sharing that because there's somebody well, right now <laughs> who's who's in that space. My intrusive thoughts weren't like yours as far as I'm going to hurt the baby specifically. It was more so anxiety of dying. For you dying or the baby dying, Cara? Yeah, I was afraid I was going to die and just leave my son with no one to help. No one to take care of him. What did I call it? I know there's a word... I call it the Fred Sanford syndrome. I'm like, the Fred Sanford, you know, coming to join you. Like, I just mm-hmm. assumed something tragic, whether it was a heart attack or car accident, was going to happen and that just, he wouldn't have anyone because his father's incarcerated. So that was the other part. It's one thing if you have a child's father that's here and can get to him and or help whether y'all get along or not. But when they're just not available at all and it's kind of all on your shoulders, it's a different type of pressure. It is. It is a lot of pressure. Yeah, I hope someone's listening is is getting freed by all of these conversations right now (laughs) because you are not alone, truly. You're not alone. Before you knew what postpartum OCD was, Jade, how did you try to heal yourself? The way I tried to heal myself, I did everything. I did Ayurvedic solutions. Girl, I was was in the Ayurvedic practitioner's office like, I'm dying. And I did yoga. Help me. <laughs> I did. I was vegan. Right, breathing. <laughs> I did. Let, let me tell you, I tried everything. Anything that was on the market, postpartum tea. I tried mommy and me yoga. I tried a Chinese oh. herbal acupuncture. I mean, when I'm telling you I was going broke trying to heal myself. And I knew I needed yeah. to wow. take an antidepressant, um, yeah. right? I knew I needed to take an antidepressant. I had an amazing psychiatrist who was like, if you don't feel better by the time your daughter is one, I don't want to hear it. We're going to try it. And I'm right here to go through this with you each step of the way. She was Black, and she understood the culture. My therapist is a Jewish man. So I had a Jewish man to have in my back and my Black psychiatrist, and they helped me get to the point where I took the antidepressants so I could really start to heal. Because I was doing all these other things, but the truth is, I was hormonally imbalanced. I wasn't processing things correctly. So nothing else was working for me. And I got on something called Luvox, which is helpful for OCD. And I Mm. think my family around me, until this day, because I have two daughters, with my second daughter, I was like, I'm going to stay on the antidepressant. 
And everyone was like, why would you do that? Why would you, uh, you're going to harm your baby. And the statistics mm. say, I said, no, I made this decision with my partner and my doctor. Y'all chill. Y'all have not experienced what I experienced. Yeah, you just needed some empathy. You just wanted some empathy. One of the things I, I think is interesting, and I want to make sure we talk about this. You mentioned that you had a Jewish doctor yes. and a Black female doctor. Was the Jewish doctor your first doctor or did you find him finally? How did that tell me about the experience with that? Because we know we talked about your journey. Let me tell you how I found Dr. Shannar. I went through several other therapists who were terrible. One was a white woman who asked if she could record me for her class. Excuse me, lady. Mm -hmm. Do you know what it took Mm -hmm. for me to get Mm -hmm. in here? Mm -hmm. And you want to record my black thoughts? Absolutely not. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) That's what she asked. Wait a minute. Listen, she asked if she could record me for her class. It's really interesting how shamed you are. And I just want you to know you're okay. I'm crying. She crying. We can't both be in here crying. What is happening right now? Let me tell you, everything happens for a reason. I saw an episode of Dr. Oz and Dr. Shannar was like, he's like an expert in OCD. Do you know I found this man in New York? And he is still my therapist. He's an amazing therapist. Oh my goodness, that's great. Thank you, Dr. Shannar. Yes, and I was like... He has been one of my biggest supporters because he was like, you can get through this. But he made me feel the feels. He didn't just let me, the way I was crying with her and she was crying, he was like, nah, you're going to get through this. You'll be okay. Yeah. But Dr. Shannar, I told him that story. He wasn't black, but he's culturally competent. If he didn't know something, he asked me. Before he said something, he said, let me me just say, this is what I think is happening. We had conversations, and that's why I say, your doctor doesn't have to be black, but they need to be culturally competent. There aren't enough black doctors in this country to serve all of us. So we need culturally competent healthcare professionals. How did your experience seeking help alter your view of the postnatal healthcare system overall? I realized that the system needs to be revamped. I realized that Women struggling is not something that's top of mind for help, but a man being impotent, they got all the pills for that. Postpartum, anything, it's really difficult to get the help you need, Black, white, or other. But if you are a Black woman, this healthcare system does not serve you. Right here in New York, I'm 12 times more likely to die during childbirth. You would think it would be somewhere down south in the red state in the rural area. Right here in Brooklyn... I'm 12 times more likely to die. Mm. It just reminded me of how devalued we are in this country and how forgotten we are. And here we are, we have our babies and our babies come out healthy. And then we just, there's the ability to fall apart because no one is taking care of us, whether it's family and friends, because mental health and postpartum comorbidities is stigmatized in general, or whether it's the healthcare system who's like, I don't have any time for you. So it just really that showed part. me that something had to be That's done, it. even just the conversation. A lot of She Matters, we started with conversation. You know how many women cry yeah. at our events and like, I felt this way. We have people who have kids that are 14 who come on and talk about what they experience. And I feel like a big piece of what we've done is give Black mothers the ability to be vulnerable and say, I need help. We're not allowed to do that. In medicine, there's documentation that Black women don't experience pain the same as other people. Huh. Right. So That's so crazy to me, too. That's so crazy. It's insane. And there's studies done. There have been, anybody can look this up, and I say this all the time. Look it up. Look it up. There have been studies done where when a Black woman is in pain, she'll get Tylenol, but a white woman will get a Percocet or something. That part. And it's like, why is our pain different? That was so powerful. I just... Sitting here rethinking, you know, you kind of go back through your life and you're like, wow, 
we sure are treated different. I mean, you start <laughs> yeah. to just have like revelations of all the things that have happened. That's a whole yeah. other episode, Carl. <laughs> that it really is, because <laughs> we could be here all day with it. What actually helped your postpartum OCD overall? And what was it like to finally mother your daughter without the burden of these other intrusive thoughts? And how is your relationship with her now? When I got through my postpartum, I just felt like such a better human. I felt like, oh my God, I like really healed Ooh, myself. Like a deep breath. But it wasn't just the postpartum part. I was like, man, like there was so much that I was dealing with that were like walls to me being the mother that I wanted to be. I feel like some of the worst things that happened to us end up being the biggest blessings because I was able to get the help that I needed as a Black woman who kept herself busy instead of dealing with her anxiety. And when you have a baby, you can't just keep yourself busy. You can't just go to Puerto Rico right. for the weekend. Right. <laughs> you can't just pick up and go. You have right. to deal with Talk it. And so, it. <laughs> yeah. And so I feel like my daughter is the reason why I started She Matters. And she's everything. Both of my daughters are everything to me. She was playing the other day with her friends and she had post-its and somebody was like, oh, do you want to play Getting Married? And she said, no, I want to play These Are My Companies. And I was like, yes, yes quietly, friend. yes. These are my companies. And I was I like, yeah, that. like she sees me. And I feel so blessed that she came here to teach me this lesson that mm. is hopefully helping so many other Black women. Like the, the daughter-mother relationship is so healing in itself. I needed her to be this person to help other women. That's crazy to me. Wow. It's amazing how things will come back full circle, right? I'm so happy that you're able to help others. That's profound. Yeah. What's your message to mothers experiencing postpartum comorbidities? Your feelings are valid. Your experiences are valid. You have the right to explore what works for you. And mm -hmm. if you don't feel right, you don't feel right. Don't let anybody mm -hmm. else tell you different. Go to somebody you trust. It doesn't have to be somebody in your family. Go talk mm. to somebody at work. Someone yeah. you don't know Ooh, that yes. well. Someone, <laughs> someone who can give their opinion and you don't really care what they say back. The person that you're not close to may have an answer for you. A lot of times it's the person that's closest to us that can hurt us the most. Family is hard. We're hard on each other. That's so true. What about the partners? We talked about this. What about the partners of these mothers? How can they best provide support? What would you say to them? Look for the signs. Look for, I don't want to take a shower. Your partner's not sleeping. Your partner is more irritable than normal. And it's been past six weeks, which can be the baby blues. Look for your partner sobbing, like crying all the time. That's not mm. normal either, right? And if you feel like something's wrong, ask them, what are you experiencing? Not, are you okay? Because mm. we've been conditioned to say, I'm fine. But what are right. you experiencing? That part. Can change a, an answer, right? Right. Don't make it close-ended. Give an open-ended yeah, question. Open-ended question. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that. How is She Matters overall making an impact in the lives of Black mothers? Tell us about your organization before we get out of here. I would like to think that we are a safe space for Black mothers who don't see themselves anywhere else, that they can come here and know that they can have a conversation with other Black mothers, that you can get culturally competent healthcare providers information. You can get culturally relevant resources. We have a symptom tracker for proclampsia, eclampsia, mm -hmm. and HELP syndrome. You can come here and you are safe. You can take your makeup off, right? 
I sound so Jersey when I said that. You can take your makeup <laughs> off. <laughs> take your makeup you off. You can let your hair down because I see you. Yeah. I am you. And I, I, and I created you. this platform Ooh. for Black women, right? Like, this, Black women aren't confused about who She Matters is for. And that was done purposely. We're opening up to different, to different cultures, different ethnicities later. But for me, I had to take care of home first because we have the worst statistics in the country, right? Mm. We have the worst statistics. And I wanted to make sure that as a Black woman, I was saying, listen, something is going to be done about this. We're not just here for Black women, Black mothers, but we make sure that we have a training, a certification program for healthcare providers because it's a conversation. The problem is miscommunication, right? So we have a culturally competent certification for healthcare providers to train them on how to better meet the needs of Black mothers. And so I'm not just talking to you, Black mom, on how to communicate with the healthcare system, but healthcare system, this is how you communicate with me. And you should be meeting me here too. Ooh, and that's, that. that's the difference. That part. So there's yeah. duality in, in yes. ownership. And awareness. Yes. That's really good. Yes. Because we cannot do it all alone. We, we are in no. this America together. So <laughs> let's let's get together. This is an American problem. And have the healthcare system take some ownership for the people yes. that they service. They provide yes. service and take Hippocratic oaths to help people. So you all need to people. be in tune with the people that you help. Right. I want to make sure I say this. Mm -hmm. This is an American problem. Black women are Americans. Yes. So this is not yes. a Black problem. This is an American problem. That part. That part. I'm so grateful. <laughs> what a time to be alive that we are here now because I don't know if you guys saw it online not long ago. They, they actually just put like a pregnant woman, like in all the doctor's images, but she was Black. It's the first time I'd ever seen it. That, that shows you right there, like we are so far behind, even in, even in the small superficial things. So as we start to be seen in that way from the outside, I pray they start to see us on the inside as well, because we are all truly going through the same thing. So yes, I'm glad She Matters exists. Yes. And I'm glad that you are helping us all. And I'm glad Thank that you, you joined us today at the Virtual Red Table. Thank you Thank so much you. for sharing, so, Jade. So good. Oh, it's thank beautiful. You so much. Continue your phenomenal work with She Matters. And thank you so much for coming to the virtual red table. I appreciate y'all for having me. For everyone listening, if you want more information, please visit shematters.health. We're going to take a short break right now. And when we return, we'll invite a mental health expert to the virtual red table. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. 
It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous (laughs) of your generation that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon, and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes, packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. episode continues to be all about mamas with a very special mental health moment. We get to welcome another amazing guest who is transforming the birthing process for mamas all around the world. Latham Thomas is a maternity lifestyle maven and founder of Mama Glow, a global doula training program and maternity lifestyle brand that supports women throughout their motherhood journeys. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness, Latham, I'm so excited. So thank you for being here at our virtual red table. Oh my God, Tracy, I'm so excited to be here with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, we have so much that we can cover. So now here's my first question. Lathan, tell me, what is Mama Glow? 
So Mama Glow is a global maternal health platform that offers education for folks who are on the path to become birth workers and doulas. We have a cohort of over 2,500 doulas globally, a part of our community that we've trained, and we match doulas with families. And we do that across the country and even really across the globe, too. What I'm most proud of about the work that we do is that we're really educating the next generation of birth workers who will transform our medical model. Absolutely will transform these spaces. And so we have a lot of people who are in medical school that are doing the training. We have a lot of people who've come to the program and have established doula clubs on their college campuses. Nice. And so we're so proud of the work that we do there and also on the Mavalo Foundation, which is really also committed to advancing reproductive justice and birth equity, mm-hmm. primarily through education, advocacy, and the arts. And education and advocacy are really big areas of the work. How did Mama Glow come to be? I love that question because the origins of Mama Glow really start with my pregnancy, with my mm. son who's 19 years old. And in the time that I was navigating pregnancy and living in New York City, trying to find the best resources and product services and practitioners, if you could think back to like 20 years ago, okay, mm-hmm. when I was pregnant, mm-hmm. the internet is not what it is today. And I had to find a practitioner in a telephone book, which is a relic. Okay. And I was like the first one in my friend group to have a baby. And like, think about how challenging that is and not having peer references and people to kind of coach me through. What I came to learn for myself was that I knew that I wanted to deliver with a midwife. I knew that I wanted mm-hmm. to deliver in a birth center. And I found one. I was living seven blocks away from this birth center. Oh, So I go hey. to this place. They took our insurance. It was incredible. I worked with midwives throughout the pregnancy. It was super empowering. There was this sense of this respect of your body, bodily nice. autonomy, sovereignty over your experience, and really a trust that you could do this, right? There was a belief mm-hmm. in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the midwifery model of care, I think, was sort of the impetus for my falling in love really with maternal health. And I would say if I had to reach back even further, I was privileged to be four years old. My mother was pregnant and my aunt and my great aunt were pregnant at the same time. So imagine being four years old and you're seeing these bellies everywhere. Everywhere. You know, my mom's really deep in body literacy. So she has me using coloring books that teach anatomy. And so we're at the grocery store and I'm like four and a half. And someone comes up to her and he says, oh, this is so sweet. Your mother has a baby in her tummy. I said, no, my mother has a baby in her uterus and it's going to come out of her vagina. Okay. Okay. That person fainted. <laughs> I know a poor little grocery store person fainted. <laughs> right? <laughs> but this is this is what I was sort of immersed in culturally. Yes. Fast forward to my pregnancy, and I just felt really empowered, right? And so coming on the other side of that experience, delivering with midwives, walking out of there six hours later after delivering my son, I felt so empowered. And I knew that I wanted yeah. to help other people to have empowered birth experiences as well. We're going to have a sidebar conversation about your great aunt being pregnant at the same time as your mom and your right? aunt. That's amazing, all on its own. I love that, though. Doulas have been supporting mothers for decades, but many people don't understand their very real and measurable impact. How do doulas improve outcomes for mamas and babies? This is such a powerful question. Doulas matter. Doulas are important. Doulas help to shift culture. Doulas help to protect families. 
What I'm concerned about as we think about the maternal health landscape is how to shore up more support for people in our communities as we look at the maternal health crisis that exists in this country where we have Mm -hmm. Black women being four to five times more likely than white women to die during childbirth or due to childbirth-related causes. When we think about the fact that one in four women head back to work 10 to 14 days after having a baby in the United States. Which is unreal. Unreal. When we think about the lack of social services and safety nets for families in this country, doulas really kind of fit these policy gaps, right? Where we do not Mm -hmm. have structural supports and help people navigate the most challenging, the most vulnerable, and the most powerful time in their lives. The impact, it is tangible and measurable. When we think about the presence of a doula inside of a birth space, we're talking about a reduction in cesarean sections, an increase Mm -hmm. in vaginal deliveries. We're talking about a reduction in pharmaceuticals like Pitocin augmentation. Mm -hmm. We're talking about an increase in maternal satisfaction, a decrease in postpartum depression and anxiety, and a better assimilation into new parenthood if it does occur. We're talking about helping a family really coalesce Mm -hmm. and smoothly transition into new parenthood. It -hmm. is so important to have people who witness you and your vulnerability, who support you and provide the basic supports that we all need, which are to be seen, to be heard, to feel a sense of belonging. Doulas are also helpful if someone experiences miscarriage or loss, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. When someone's navigating abortion, like Mm -hmm. we are here for the entirety of the reproductive continuum Mm -hmm. to support people. You mentioned postpartum depression and other issues that may come up postpartum. Mm -hmm. How do doulas support moms with postpartum depression, OCD, or other postpartum mental illnesses? When I think about what's necessary on the postpartum continuum, when we find people who are dealing with depressive symptomology, this doesn't just show up at the time of birth. I would love to dispel one thing, which is that it's not just in the postpartum period that Mm -hmm. depression shows up, right? Mm -hmm. It's in fact along the pregnancy continuum, we see depressive symptomology surface. Right. And so when we talk about perinatal mood disorders, we're talking about the entire continuum and doulas working with clients during pregnancy can start to see, right? Mm -hmm. See aspects of where, oh, this person has anxiety. This person's really suffering. Like we sometimes see it where somebody who came to pregnancy through challenge, right? Like maybe through many miscarriages, losses, and they get to a place where now the anxiety is around if it's even possible, Mm -hmm. right? Can Mm -hmm. I even do this? Fear that like, you know, the baby's not going to stay. I don't know. Like every day I'm like, you know, on edge about testing and results and all these things. Mm -hmm. We have to work on getting into a place where they're using mindfulness techniques and Mm -hmm. emotional self-regulation techniques to navigate that challenge. Mm -hmm. We have people who are in situations domestically that are challenging. But the biggest thing when we think about depression and in the postpartum period and, and just this continuum in general is that the only way that we can address it is by meeting the needs of the individual, understanding mm-hmm. what their unique needs are. And mostly it is creating supports, right? Okay. So where some people, they may come to a decision where pharmaceuticals are the pathway for them. But most of the time, when we get a handle on it early, we can actually mitigate symptoms with support. Wow. And so with okay. that, yes. So what that means is when you think about what you do for an infant, 
Mm-hmm. Right. You make sure that an infant is changed. They're fed. Mm-hmm. They're picked up constantly. Mm-hmm. They're like you would never leave them alone. Right. These are the same things we need to do with a postpartum person. Okay. We're feeding them. We're hugging them. We're attending to them. We're not leaving them alone. Right. So they have they a are. separate but equal swaddling. They have to be swaddled. Mm -hmm. Yes. The nurturing, right, that we really focus on giving for infants. We need to really think about this person who is born into motherhood or parenthood Mm -hmm. as somebody who is really also deeply vulnerable. Say you find out you're pregnant. At what point does an expectant mother connect with and bring a doula in? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I would say that it really depends on the person and their needs. The great thing about doula work is that depending on what someone needs, you can design care for them that really supports where they are in their life journey. Okay. So if you're someone, like I mentioned before, who has navigated difficult terrain in finding your pathway to pregnancy, yeah. you might want to work with a doula earlier, right? Early, right. right. If you're someone who moved to a new place, doesn't have friends and community, you might want to get someone earlier on so you can tap into their resources and some of the supports that they have for you. Generally, though, people will come around 16 weeks at the earliest, I would say, but 20 to 25 weeks is around when folks start to to book their doulas. And then you have those people working with you through the early postpartum period as well. How can the mama's inner circle best support her after she gives birth from your perspective as a doula? Tracy, I love this question because it's an area where we need people to be more educated, where folks need to start having conversations with their sister circle. Because we celebrate the pregnancy. Yes. We'll shower you with gifts and give you what we think you need as supplies. But then after you have the baby... You better preach. Hello. That's exactly right. And after the baby comes, it's like, where'd my friends go? Where'd my friend group? Like, the phone isn't ringing. Ain't nobody coming by. Right. right? After the first week, it's like you're isolated. Like, hello, I need you to come and help me. That's exactly right. And here's the thing. Most people haven't practiced asking for help. If you Mm. think about culturally, right, most of us have been in positions of servitude inside of our families, right? We've been service leaders in our families. And so... It's not even within our purview to be able to ask, right? right? Because everybody's asking us for help. That's right. And so now we're in a position where we're vulnerable and we don't have the tools. We haven't exercised that muscle. So what I love about the pregnancy opportunity is that there are many junctures along a pregnancy where there is something that you cannot do, Mm -hmm. right? That you cannot do alone. Mm -hmm. And so the invitation is to learn how to practice asking in those smaller moments. Oh my gosh, can you help me tie my shoe? Sure. Right? Oh, I don't feel well. Can you make me some tea? Okay. Oh, can you grab me that sandwich I'm craving? I feel like we need a checklist. We need an inner circle checklist. Yes. <laughs> and doing a postpartum care checklist mm-hmm. ahead of postpartum, mm-hmm. right? So think about just like you do a birth plan, you do a postpartum plan, right? So this is like the, the people that I want in my inner circle, who I want around. These should be people who I know can contribute to my support system, right? right? Tangibly contribute. So this is somebody who can cook. This is somebody who can help clean and keep things organized. Somebody who can run and get the diapers. Somebody who can watch a baby while I take a shower. Who are going to be these people who I know are going to be really anal retentive about cleanliness and will be checking everybody and dressing them down until I feel comfortable (laughs) for them to come through that threshold into my house. That's right. That's right. Because we're not bringing no germs into the baby. Hello, no germs. Okay. 
You no have to germs. have a barrier. You have to have a Thank body you. that's a barrier. <laughs> Thank you. Right? Let the church Absolutely say amen. Absolutely right. Amen. <laughs> right? <laughs> we can talk. I'm telling you, you and I can talk about this until the cows come home because there's so much to cover. There's just a wealth of information that you've shared already. Oh, I can't you. tell you how much I appreciate you joining us and being here at the virtual red table. And you know, your expertise is just invaluable. It really is. It really is. And I want to let everyone know that you can learn more about Mama Glow by visiting mamaglow.com. Yes. Lathan, thank you. Thank hugs, you virtual so much. hugs to yes. you. We want to know how you're feeling about this new season of Red Table Talk, and we are open to talk about anything with you. So send in your questions at let's red table that at redtabletalk.com or leave us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash let's red table that bring them on we want to know what you're thinking thank you so much for listening we are just so grateful to have you as our listeners and be a part of our community make sure you subscribe on iHeartRadio app and please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts of five we'll be back next week for another episode of let's red table that A big thank you to our executive producers, Jada Pinkett-Smith, Ellen Rackerton, and Fallon Jethro. And thank you to our producer, Kyla Kaneru, and our associate producer, Yolanda Chow. And finally, thank you to our sound engineers, Calvin Bailiff and Devin Donahue. Hey. Yay! Let's red table that. Red table that. Hey, let's red table that. Hey, let's red table that. Let's red table that. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 